severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello, I am Jamie McKinley and welcome to another episode of Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. We've got another very, very good episode lined up for you today. In fact, I'm really excited about this week's guest. But before I introduce this week's episode, I just wanted to say, as always, Thank you for tuning into the podcast. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, thank you once again for coming back and listening. Remember, we have got a huge back catalogue now. This is episode 43, so there is uh, plenty of episodes for you to go back and listen to if you haven't heard them all yet. We've had some great conversations on this podcast, and they might not all be for you, but you know, there'll at least be some there that you'll probably like if you're a creative, and even if you're just interested in listening and you like the podcast, be sure to go back and check them out. Another thing I wanted to say was we are going to be taking a little week off the podcast, so we won't be bringing out any podcasts next week. And we, you know, we'd been put out pretty much put an episode out every week since this year, from, from the start of the year, we'd been putting out an episode a week. We put out two episodes a week for about a month and a half as well. So, you know, me and Elliot between us have been putting a lot of work into this podcast. And as you'll know from previous episodes, if you'd listened, I'm currently trying to work two jobs. I'm balancing a hell of a lot. And I'm just really, to be honest, I'm struggling to sort of manage the podcast a bit. And I don't want to risk burning out because I always talk to guests about burnout. And burnout is quite a big thing in the creative industry. So I'm going to take my own advice and I'm going to take some of the guests' advice, and I'm going to try and give myself a wee bit of a break from the podcast for a week. But we'll be back, and we've got great, some great conversations lined up, and we've got a few recorded as well. So we'll be back in no time at all. I'm sure you're good. I'm sure you're all very good. But anyway, thank you for your continued support. I absolutely adore doing this podcast. I love it. It brings me so much happiness. So I really, really appreciate the fact that people are still listening and supporting us. But anyway... Without much further ado, it is time to introduce this week's episode. And this week on the podcast, we have Rachel Fulton, who has just been shortlisted for a Sunday Times Audible Short Story Award, which is really, really exciting. Rachel's had an amazing career, actually, which is she was a great person to talk to on the podcast because she was formerly a journalist with STV for a bit. She did various stuff with STV. She also worked for Mark Miller at Netflix and a number of roles doing editing comics as well. And obviously now she's been shortlisted for the Sunday Times short story award for her short story call which I've since speaking to had the chance to read and I'm not just saying this it's a fantastic bit of writing I really really enjoyed it a really good and poignant short story but yeah I'm really grateful to Rachel for giving us her time I really really enjoyed chatting to her she said some great things which I'm sure a lot of the listeners are going to find very useful and enjoy so I hope you enjoy this week's episode and I'll be back at the end. Hi Rachel, nice to meet you. How's it going? Lovely to meet you too. It is going well, yeah. Yeah, you're you're having a, a very, very good time at the moment. You've a, a lot of amazing things happening to you, which we'll talk about, of course. Yeah, some super exciting sort of out of the blue things have been happening recently. So I'm just getting hyped up for those <laughs> and getting new exciting events and things coming through every couple of days. So yeah, good time. Good time to be chatting <laughs> Well just, well, just for the listeners, and we'll talk about this later in the podcast, but um, you have been shortlisted for the Sunday Times Audible Short Story Award, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I'm in the final six, which, which is very exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a, that must have been like a, a whirlwind of a few weeks, though, I'm sure. Yeah, it's been absolutely crazy. So I found out about the long list a few months ago, and that's the top 15. And I think there were over a thousand people entered the competition from like 57 countries and I never in a million years would have thought that I would get into the top 15 so when that happened I was like this is the best thing that's ever happened to me and I was so euphoric about that news that then when the shortlist news came through kind of <laughs> it just completely blew my world apart because I was like oh hang on a second I'm now I'm now not just in the top 15 with like you know celebrating that victory I might actually be close to winning this thing which is a complete, 
a completely different feeling so yeah, yeah it's been an absolute roller coaster and so many exciting things have come from it already so when the long list was announced agents started mm. messaging me on twitter which just blew my mind and since then it's just been like lots of exciting people getting in touch and yeah things are moving quite quickly so that's been the last couple of months amazing well I mean it's it's really exciting to see like Scottish writers in particular doing well and things I I think that's that's great but we'll obviously come to talk about your short story and things in due course but let's wind back a bit because you've had a pretty interesting career which is great for the podcast as well because you've been a journalist you'd been a comic book editor for Netflix obviously you're a writer now as well so you've been lots of stuff for us to unpack in this episode yeah definitely an eclectic cv i think <laughs> the last <laughs> five to ten years have just been a pick and mix of pretty cool jobs i think which is yeah. funny because they were stressful at points but it's nice to look back and think yeah those are quite strange jobs that's quite a strange list of work experience but it's been it's all been amazing and now it's just the latest chapter basically yeah no it's great because well this podcast I mean a lot of our guests are are very much emerging creatives people really at the start of their career so it is always really interesting to sort of speak to people like yourself who are maybe slightly further forward in their careers but I've also had a lot of experience and because no one has the same path and that's what's been really interesting speaking to all these creative people and you know everything I think a lot of people some people think they have to do this that's the right way of doing it but there's no right way of doing it and all these experiences like feed into each other and really lead on to like you know where you are today I suppose as well yeah I mean definitely I think that my career path is more like a zigzag than anything but I think as well you know as much as I look like I'm much further on in my career I've just done a little bit of many careers (laughs) so (laughs) lots lots of people find one thing that they're good at and they love and stick at it and sort of climb through the ranks but I do sort of five minutes in each one and go okay completed that one so I'm going (laughs) on to the next one so yeah it's I'm maybe not the best example for someone that wants to have like this like gradual career progression where they slowly get more successful in their field. But I am a really good example for jumping about different fields and having a good time. So. <laughs> but I, I think something that's, you know, very much, I think creative people in particular, but I think in general is people sort of do have all these like different various roles. Like I don't think anyone is one thing. I think everyone's like a bit of everything. Like I think one of our earlier guests on the podcast, a very good friend of mine, Carolyn, said this amazing phrase like we're all like creative chameleons and I think like you're a very good example of that definitely yeah and also nowadays you're just expected to do everything I mean and I think that's something that particularly young creatives will be so aware of already but have to be very careful of going forward is that you're expected to do everything but then it sort of borders on exploitation at points it's like can you also do this can you also do this and you're so razor keen to do well and get far in your career and you offer to work for free and then you're like wow isn't this great I'm being given these great opportunities but you have to take a step back and think are these opportunities or is this free labor for someone you know like (laughs) My work has value and therefore I can't just, you know, keep saying I'll do everything and yes, I can do this standing on my head and yeah, I'll drive over there to pick whatever you need up and all these kind of different things that you volunteer to do. You have to be careful of of what you're doing and what you're agreeing to because yes, it is amazing to be expected to do everything and be able to do everything but also you have to say no sometimes you know no, that's absolutely look after right. yourselves yeah no that's so true and I've, I've, I very much relate to that I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like I don't need to say yes to everything now I need to also sometimes be like does that actually work for me is that the best thing for me like there'll be other opportunities so some, I, I totally agree with that but Rachel we'd like to sort of start the podcast by sort of asking all our guests what are your earliest creative memories? Do you remember when you first sort of decided that you wanted to be a writer or you wanted to work in journalism or sort of, you know, just where you ended up? I wrote all the time when I was younger, when I was very little and I read all the time and it was always you know me sitting at the typewriter in my dad's office just writing really ridiculous stories I found one recently actually called The Haunted Library which was clearly written in the Goosebumps era and it was just obviously a silly Goosebumps was great (laughs) (laughs) heavily influenced by Goosebumps was this story so I used to write all the time and it was just sort of a given when I was at primary school that I would be doing something with writing or with English and then actually 
as I got older, I think you become, well, many people become a bit more self-conscious, a bit more shy of what they're good at. And also writing is such a personal thing. So if you're a teenager, you're not necessarily wanting to try and publish those angst-fueled poems that you've got in your bedroom. So I shied away from it big time. I really didn't publicly write anything and I didn't talk about being a writer and actually I haven't ever spoken about being a writer until the last couple of months because I've been so shy of it and Mm. I don't know I just had this kind of like idea attached to it of someone being like oh I'm a writer you know at parties (laughs) and I didn't want to be that guy so yeah I really was into reading and writing when I was little but then probably discovered boys and drinking and things and (laughs) forgot (laughs) about it as a teenager and I've only just in the last few years started doing it more in my free time and yeah so there was a big gap basically very creative and very embracing of my talents when I was little and then just abandoning it for a good years <laughs> and I've come back <laughs> around again well I mean you, you do say that but you, you were a journalist and stuff so there is some elements of like create there's that as a creative profession arguably so you still you didn't completely like abandon being creative sure I think I mean just the, in the fiction mm-hmm. writing side of things and I I think journalism was a sort of a middle ground of okay I can't just abandon my you know potential earnings and you know I'm very nervous about not having money or you know having to give up money or a career in order to try and foster a writing career so I think journalism was kind of the middle ground not that you make a lot of money in there (laughs) journalists listening I'll be like "Mm, who are you working for So that was a good middle ground because it meant I got to write every day or, you know, be involved with lots of interesting Mm. stories every day and could also then at night go and your brain is just on this creative preset then when you're meeting loads of exciting people every day and you're writing every day, you can just sort of slip into your other creative persona. So that was a really great time when I was working at STV I was just writing all the time then and that was really when things started to flourish again after a long hiatus and yeah my one of my friends said oh you write don't you Elle magazine are running a competition you should enter it's a new talent competition and I was like okay me as well and I won it just completely out of the blue and I was like oh my god I still owe her a dinner because I told I promised her I was going to take her out for suggesting me that I enter so yeah that was the first thing where I was like oh actually I might be okay at this because it really comes from self-confidence. I've Absolutely. been very, very self-deprecating and very shy of showing people anything or telling people that I write, anything like that. So that has been my main obstacle for the last <laughs> few decades, really, is, is just being brave enough to, to come forward. I've got no hustle, unfortunately. <laughs> no, I, I think that's really interesting what you're saying about like the sort of identifying as a writer thing, like feeling like almost a bit weird saying it and having the confidence to say it because like, I did a, a screenwriting MA like a year ago and I've not, to be perfectly honest, done much writing since I graduated because I've just been busy trying to get work and TV and stuff and, you know, just do other things, make a, make a living and doing the podcast and stuff. But like, I know what you mean. It When people say to me, oh, Jamie, you're a writer. I'm like, I'm like, no, I, I don't feel like, do you know what I mean? It's almost, I feel like an imposter when people say that because you feel like a fraud. So it is really interesting that you're saying that. Yeah, 100%. And I think imposter syndrome, along with fear, (laughs) have been my biggest obstacles or at least challenges in any of the career I've had so far. Mm. Because even when I first went to work for Mark Miller as a comic book editor, you know, I wasn't a comics fan. You imagine you have the stereotype of a girl or guy down at the comic book shop who's like has this encyclopedic knowledge of X-Men or all Marvel movies or you know they know all the different eras of Superman and that sort of thing and I was not that girl so going in there I had to really start from scratch learning how to be a comic book editor which is a very complex job and I think it's hard for people who obviously aren't in comics to understand all the different facets of what it takes to be a comic book editor but I had to learn all that from nothing and so this combined with the fact that I hadn't grown up, you know, being in love with Spider-Man or whatever. And that was like a real challenge for me because I was thinking, you know, do I deserve to be here? And, you know, what are people going to think? Because what if they ask me a question about like issue 243 of this comic and I can't name this minor (laughs) character. I had all these like constant like anxieties going on. But, you know, you overcome that 
as best you can in whatever job you're in and it really is sort of fighting with yourself unfortunately but as long as you can get through it you get the job done (laughs) (laughs) no absolutely that imposter syndrome thing is very real for a lot of people so I appreciate you being really honest about that as well it's good I think it's really interesting for listeners to just hear that you know a lot of us feel the same way about this especially as creatives but I just to sort of wind back slightly I just sort of wondered if you can just for briefly sort of talk about how did you sort of end up working for STV and what sort of things did you do for STV at the time and your sort of younger career? I know that maybe asking you to think back a while, but. <laughs> no, it's, it was the only reason that question is semi daunting is because I did quite a lot yeah. while I was there, but I did my master's at Glasgow Cali after spending a year in Indonesia teaching English, thinking, right, okay, I'm going to go and be a journalist <laughs> I've decided I've taken, you know, a year away from the UK and I'm going to go and be a journalist. So I came back and did my master's and then we were given a talk by a newspaper editor called Sean Milne, who has cropped up in my career since and has always been very supportive. (laughs) He came and gave a guest lecture at Cali. And I, I was such a geek. I always made sure that I sat up at the front and I was like oh, nice. very <laughs> present whenever there was guest lectures coming and I always asked questions and I was really keen to make friends with or make connections with people that were obviously going to be around later in my career, I hoped. So then I just pestered everyone on Twitter as well that worked at STV for a good <laughs> six months. I think the Scotland Tonight team were like, who is this girl <laughs> Then a job came up for an online journalist position. I think it was called Community Researcher at the time. And I applied and I got in touch with Sean and said, remember me? (laughs) And I just basically said that I was applying for the position. And then I got an interview and thankfully got taken on to the STB Glasgow team, which at the time was a hyper-local news website Mm. which had lots of different we had Lanarkshire teams and I was on the Glasgow team and I had the best job possibly (laughs) any young journalist has had in my mind (laughs) which was I got I got to write the going out section for Glasgow and Edinburgh which involved a lot of going out which really (laughs) suited me to a T so I mean doing stories like I did a piece on like 21 years of the arches and used to do like stories about the Edinburgh fringe and stuff and get to go to the shows and just it was honestly like the best time because I got to write about going to parties essentially and I'm sure it was a lot of hard work I'm making this sound like it was a total brief but <laughs> of course, of course some, yeah. there was some hard journalism in there sometimes but yeah that was really great and then got promoted to editors so then had to do less party stuff and more sort of local news things so I was community editor there and then the website's metamorphosized into apps and then we had to change things quite a lot because we were working sort of buzzfeed style listicles and q a's and we had a live stream to operate sorry my my cockapoo just um oh we'll keep that in we'll keep that in (laughs) just yawned at my feet always got time for dogs on the podcast it's fine (laughs) (laughs) just so you know that noise was not me yeah so we had to operate a live stream so we had to sort of collate content from across Glasgow and Edinburgh and put it in a live stream for people to read and then a job came up at the SV Glasgow channel so when the tv channel when we got the bid for the tv channel at STV that was opening up lots of new opportunities because the stuff that we'd been doing on the websites and the apps was easily translated onto the new TV channel. So I went over there as researcher runner was my job title. And it actually stayed the same title for the next couple of years or however long I was there. But during that time, I got to be live reporter on the show. I went to the Met office and trained to be the kind of sub-in weather presenter. Oh, wow. (laughs) I know it was me and Storm Huntley, who's now on the Jeremy Vine show. Oh, wow. So she was the main weather presenter. And I we always joked that she is called Storm, so I could be Sunny as the stand-in. We could have <laughs> Sunny and Storm. So I was trained to be her sub-in whenever she was on holiday. And I filled in for any of the live reporters when they were away. And I presented See What You Missed, which was the weekend roundup show, which is like three hours long. And I 
made the Hogmanay show, which was like collating oh, all really the nice. music and wrote all the links. And I produced a cookery program called Jack and Eddie's Scottish Kitchen. And that was all, <laughs> and doing research for the show and also looking after the guests at night and making them teas and coffees and stuff. So it was a lot. Wow, did a lot of stuff at STV. <laughs> I know, but I weirdly I was still called a researcher despite I had all this stuff to do. But that's what I'm sort of seeing when you know you are expected to do so many things as a mm. creative person, and it is a lot to take on. And sometimes it's nice to take a step back and be like, you appreciate all the things you have done. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, when you you go on to your next job, you have so much experience to take with you such a broad range I mean parts of working at SV Glasgow genuinely were like being a Blue Peter presenter it was amazing it really was <laughs> the, most, the most fun and we were such a, a tight-knit team and we really cared about the project unfortunately I left quite a bit before the the channel stopped but you know we really genuinely were very passionate about making the channel work and making great content and some of the people that I worked with there still really great friends of mine and they are just brilliant creatives. In fact, you should talk to them. I'd love to. (laughs) They're really great. I'll put you in touch. Oh, please. They're just so talented. I won't name any names because they're all brilliant. (laughs) Yeah, I just, I can't sing their praises highly enough. And a lot of them have gone on to do amazing stuff on screen and behind the screen. So brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, it was a really great time. And then sort of started thinking, oh, it's time for me to move on. I was doing so many jobs, as I said, and I was thinking, (laughs) really kind of like to be promoted and then do fewer jobs. But it wasn't happening um, in the time frame that I was sort of hopeful of. And then I started thinking about going freelance, which is a big risk that I'm sure a lot of people that listen to your podcast have had to make. And it's very daunting because you're like, you know, you're going from... A permanent job which I was to basically needing to hustle and needing to live like contract to contract and that sort of thing so it's a big move but I decided to go freelance and then just by chance Mark Miller had been on the show and I used to work for a relative of his in magazines and he said oh I'm looking for a new editor I want someone local to Glasgow do you want to be my editor and I was like oh my god you're like a Hollywood superstar (laughs) and this was even this is before I'd left STV so it was an absolute gift and it meant it meant when I handed my notice I could say I'm actually I'm gonna go work for Mark Miller as his editor it sounded almost like I made it up you know yeah Um, they're like yeah sure sure yeah yeah. (laughs) good one Rach yeah good luck with that so yeah and then the rest is history I guess but that was that was my time at STV and it really was a fantastic four years I think I was there and I had a new work experience every week and so I know so many like mm-hmm. probably people that listen to the podcast like young creatives <laughs> have come like and had spent a week with me at STV so it's lovely to see them go on and do so well yeah and sometimes like see little updates on Twitter and I'm like oh feel like oh, a little pang of pride that they managed to be in SCV with me in that time yeah oh wow that, that, I, I really enjoyed hearing about that so I hope the I hope the listeners did as well so it's just interesting like all the different stuff you'd like sort of done yeah so so the Netflix stuff with Mark Miller and like editing comics I know you sort of touched on that before my last question but like was that in Glasgow or did you also move down to London to do stuff for that as well so I was in Glasgow for the first year when I was doing my freelance stuff and I had one day a week with editing one day a week is quite tricky though because I was a day a week in the office but actually when you're editing comic books or any magazines on a rolling schedule it's sort of round the clock because you have to approve things on a Friday night and you have to you know and also you're working with the states so there's a big gap in time in terms of getting stuff done and then when their office is open it's probably nighttime with you so there's a lot of out of hours stuff that I did and then my partner at the time had moved to London and I was starting to think oh maybe I should go down to London and be with him well, I do like him I guess <laughs> so I, I asked if I could do it remotely and move down to London and then the Netflix deal went through and they had an office in London anyway so I ended up in the Netflix office and back then the Netflix office in the UK was really small so I was one of like very few people that were actually in the London office but now it is 
Mm. massive so I was watching it just sort of expand over the years I was there but it is the most amazing place to work you know like you can't believe how great it is they are just so focused on nurturing their talent and looking after their employees like it blows your mind it's like such a an amazing office space and you're looked after so well and yeah it was just it was a really incredible couple of years just being in that environment and seeing how things can be done I guess and obviously you're, the people that are in the office are just like the most brilliant creatives that exist really in this country because they, they only employ the best folks. So they're really like at the top of their game. So yeah, it was a really great experience. And then I think it was late 2019, I just decided that I wanted to come back up to Scotland and, you know, end the comics chapter. By then we'd made so many books, you know, it really is mad when I look back on how many comics, because you do maybe... So for those people that don't know how comics work, you have a an issue of each series per month, say for five or six months. So you have to put that single issue out like a magazine and then you collect them in a graphic novel and a big book, which involves lots of other design stuff and putting a big book together. But I think one month I was doing eight single issues and I had four graphic novels. And I was like, this is so much because we were producing so so many books at the time. So, yeah, it's great to look back and see how how many I've done and, you know, how many of my name and my wee face in them. And just think, wow, that was such a crazy part of my life because <laughs> as well some of the content of the books that we make is just crazy intergalactic like space orgies and decapitations and all this kind of mad stuff (laughs) people think it's like superheroes all the time but it's not sometimes I'd screenshot things that I was doing and keep them and then show my friends later and say this is what I was working on (laughs) they'd be like what (laughs) no there there was so many comments when I was researching for this conversation today Rachel I look at your website and stuff and I was like my god so many there was so many like comics and stuff on there so did do a lot of stuff which is amazing and Jupiter's Legacy was the first comic that I ever worked on and that is now a huge Netflix hit so that came out what last month I think so that has been really surreal to just watch these characters that I was sort of pouring over for months Mm -hmm. you know trying to work out if his suit was the right color in one panel was it a different color in page three which that's that's a big part of being a comic book editor it's just a massive game of spot the difference so it's like was that alien pink before did that alien speak first all this kind of stuff and it's just really surreal that now it's on the screen you know like it's it's this huge worldwide phenomenon which was always going to be but it's just quite surreal to have been a tiny tiny part of yeah that. well obviously we'll, we'll, we'll come to talk about like the, the latest chapter in your life which is very exciting in a second but I just sort of had one more question which I, this is a bit of a on the cuff one but I just, I just kind of like to ask this as a Scottish person and like I know there's a big pressure on creative field to move to London and I've, I've talked about this for quite a few guests and parts, but do you think going to London is a good thing or are you quite like because I know you've come back to Scotland do you think you would encourage people to just try and stay in Scotland if they can and like make an industry here I know it's a difficult question I think for me the trajectory has kind of worked out because now being from Scotland is such a massive selling point because I'm up against all these international people and I can say well I come from a tiny town in Dumfries and Galloway so that's my USP now but I do think that sometimes the different industries in Scotland can be tough nuts to crack Mm -hmm. and sometimes I've found that when I've applied for jobs in London I've had more luck than I did up the road. And I think a lot of that to do is to do with networking. I think it's really important to make friends with people. And once that sort of old thing of once you're in, you're in type thing, which is frustrating for people who struggle to get their foot in the door, you know, if you don't have the opportunity to meet the right people. So I'm going to sit on the fence on the London, (laughs) Scotland thing, mainly because I know that London is not for everybody and to be honest it wasn't really for me like I love it I love to visit all my pals are there I really like going for long weekends but there's something about the anonymity and the sort of the culture down there that I just didn't feel like I connected with as much as I do up the road yeah so it's not for everybody but there are so 
many amazing opportunities there. There's so many, such a great variety of people that you can meet and, you know, everything's so diverse and it's so wonderful in so many ways. But I think that people should go for a little bit and then come back. I think that's, okay. that's we'll, we'll my go that. We'll clip that. That's the same. There you go. <laughs> Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts, but it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. But yeah, no, I think it's now time, well, obviously we need to talk about the latest chapter in your life, which is incredible. So you're back in Scotland and and you're sort of helping run your family business in Casa Douglas, aren't you, with your mum and dad? Yeah, I mean, they would argue I'm not helping very much at (laughs) the moment. Basically, I've kind of gone, sorry, I'm famous now, I can't possibly help. (laughs) No, they have um, very graciously allowed me this time to focus on, you know, a bit of talking to lovely people like yourself and also writing because the sort of award nomination has come out of the blue but it really is this is potentially my break in inverted commas in terms of now I have these opportunities that weren't presented to me before and I've got to do something with it now is the time basically so they have very nicely allowed me probably just until the next two weeks until it's announced and then I'll go back and and help doing some shifts with them but yes I was working in the hotel right up until very recently and we've only just opened back up after obviously horrible pandemic closure and things so you'd sort of come back to that and then and you but you were sort of using that as an an opportunity to start writing again and that's where the short story sort of yeah so Obviously, we went into lockdown just after I moved home with these like grand plans. Again, another career change. Like, I'm going to take over the hotel. I'm going to take over the family business. And, you know, I had all this kind of trajectory planned out in my head of how that was going to look as as people do, you know, when they daydream of, of the next step. And then we went almost immediately into lockdown and there was a pandemic. So that sort of put pause on that. And then I thought, well, you know, I need this time to write I guess and it would be good to use this time you know I literally have no excuse now Mm. (laughs) I have a year of being on furlough and not having anything to do in the country so now is the time to write and my plan was to write some short stories and get them sent into competitions and hopefully (laughs) literally my base level plan was that people would start on Twitter or in certain circles start thinking of me as a fiction writer rather than as all of the million other things I've been in the last (laughs) five years. So most of my Twitter audience are comics people who just known me as being a comic book editor. And then obviously I said, that's me finished comics. I'm leaving. And people before that knew me as being a telly person. And so now I have to be like, hey guys, guess what? <laughs> I've changed my <laughs> mind again. So yeah, I'm sort of reinventing. And that my my only plan was that people would start thinking, oh, she also writes fiction. And so I, ha- I sent a couple of things away and one very short story I mean they tend to call it micro fiction I think that was published in by the common breath by a guy called Brian Hamill so he published that in his book and call placed in the Bridport prize so it came 
highly commended. So that's in like the top 13, I think, in the Bridport Prize. And then I was like, okay, great. It's lovely to be highly commended. Forgot about it. And I didn't realize that the Bridport Prize automatically enter you into the Sunday Times Short Story Award. Mm -hmm. And so I'd completely forgotten about it until I got the long list email. And then, you know, that is just in terms of exposure, that's just huge. (laughs) Just it's massive. And I opened the paper because you don't know who else is on the long list until you open the paper on the day. And, you know, there was a lady that had 17 novels and she'd been nominated for the Pulitzer Prize. There was some other incredible, everyone had like so many books to their names. I just (laughs) looked over and they'd edited my bio just to be relevant stuff so my bio was like so super short because I really only had one story in the L magazine thing to my name and that was it so it was quite a surreal experience no but like it is really interesting I was because I was reading the sort of synopsis for both the short stories which I will try and read I I was like trying to find a link obviously I think you have to subscribe to the the collections to read them right I can send you a link so they put it up the Sunday Times which I I wasn't aware they would, this was the plan. The Sunday Times put up all of the shortlisted stories online for people to read them, but the anthology is going to be available on Audible. Okay. So they record yeah. all the stories Amazing. and I read my one. Oh, you got to read it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I asked because I also harbor dreams of being an actress. No, I just, <laughs> I, um, Another career I, change. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, why not? No, I just always... They sent me, and I want to make it clear that they sent me two wonderful actresses demos and both did a brilliant job. And it wasn't, there was anything wrong with the actresses, but I just really wanted to be able to do it myself. And I asked, had to ask them ahead of time, well, is there any chance that I could read it? So I went to the studio and I recorded it. And if you get a chance to read the story, it's not the happiest so there's a bit of shouting and crying. So hopefully I've done a good job because I haven't heard the, the recording back yet. So fingers yeah. crossed. But yeah, that's the, the anthology comes out with the other shortlisted stories, presumably in the next couple of weeks. So. And something I was reading which really interested me was that Call was kind of inspired by this Japanese phone box. Yes. Yeah, so, and I think when people read that, they think it's going to be set in Japan. No, no, no. I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't say that. <laughs> It's, it's basically the Scottish version of, mm. of that, which is a true story. Basically, after the tsunami, they put up a telephone box on this hilltop in a small town in Japan. I'm saying small town. My Japanese geography is not very good, so maybe fact check that one. <laughs> and people can call their loved ones that died. And obviously, the, the phone line doesn't go anywhere, but they call and they talk to the person and they ask them, you know, how they are and where they are and they catch them up with all the things that have been going on in their lives and no voice comes back the other side, but that act of calling gives them comfort. I love that. It's it's so interesting. Yeah. I just thought that was such a heartbreaking idea and the fact that it exists, you know, that that people genuinely go there to mourn. So I thought, you know, how it started making me think about, you know, how, we feel connected to the people that have passed over and how we maintain that thread, you know, and not necessarily a religious one, just that sort of connection with people yeah. you've lost. So that is how Call came about. And it there are two, without spoiling it, there are two sets of calls in the story. And one is a sister receiving calls from a pub that her sister is causing trouble in. (laughs) So she gets these phone calls saying, can you come pick her up, basically. And the other call is to do with them speaking to their dead mother through a shell yeah that's quite surreal but if you read it it'll it'll no I I really like the themes that sort of you're talking about and I'm really excited to read it I've I've really become very interested in grief recently so I think it's been such an sort of weird 18 months for everyone with COVID and stuff I think a lot of people are grieving not just life but you know like life's what they could have had like losing actual people like losing opportunities you know what I mean I think grief's so prevalent in the culture right now that so I think it's really probably another reason you're stories probably chiming with people so much as well 100% I think people have felt great loss Mm. like you say not just loss of loved ones but loss of income loss of opportunity so there is a big gap and I think call deals with that sort of pain in the interim when you don't know when 
you can't see an end to the suffering. Yeah. You can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you just have to go through it when you're really in the in the trenches. So yeah, I think we've all been in the trenches essentially for, for the last 18 months. And now hopefully, you know, the glimmers of hope are starting to come through. But yeah, I do think that that is why it probably resonated with the judges. And also it's about siblings. It's about two sisters and their sort of chaotic back and forth. And I think anyone with a brother or sister can probably relate to that too yeah no 100 percent. well i normally ask this question as a second question on the podcast but i deliberately held it back for this episode i sort of we like to ask everyone how where they're from has sort of influenced them as great but i actually kind of want to ask you how where you're from has influenced you as a writer in particular these sort of short stories so castle douglas if you're not familiar with it is a small town in southwest scotland and i think we've got about four thousand people and it's a really great place to grow up and it's a really great staycay destination if anyone fancies it I know a good hotel <laughs> and it's also set within the most beautiful countryside you know it really is we get sort of overlooked in favor of the lakes which are quite nearby and also the highlands but Dunfries and Galloway is just this beautiful landscape and you can have all different types of weather in one day and there's woodland and there's coast and there's it's just stunning and I often think when I take the dog out before I start writing in the day we go a big long walk and I just think you know people pay for writers retreats to come to somewhere like this and this is just literally two minutes out the front door and that's another tick in the Scotland box not the London box by the way (laughs) I just think you know we're just surrounded by all this like rich amazing landscape but the the themes that also come from being in a small town are very important to my work and I think that if you read some of my other stories there's one online called Shug which tends to resonate with people and that's about a it's basically about toxic masculinity. It's about a man who's raised to be a very stern farmer. He's not allowed to show his emotions. And it's about how his life unfolds with his wife and daughter. And obviously having a daughter when you're raised in a very male dominated society and how he deals with that. And I have some other stories which are about homophobia in small towns and the sort of microaggressions Mm. that people who are gay face when they're raised in these kind of very traditional communities so I mean it's not all bad Castle Douglas is lovely (laughs) but but there are parts of coming from a small town that are not the same as growing up in a big city you know and I like to write about those things and highlight them because I don't think that you know everybody in the world knows what it's like to to grow up in a tiny wee village in Scotland so that's um so that's sort and also it's important to write about what you know I think that's such a cliche yeah it's so true though so true yeah if any time I've been writing about London for example I feel like just that we discussed imposter syndrome but I feel like I'm faking it and one really important thing and I wrote this in a an interview I did for the Sunday Times recently you know they said what was the advice that you'd give people that want to be in your position next year and I said you know write what's in you already and not what you think other people are going to like because I would never have entered call myself I want to say I didn't like the story you know I would cringe when I read it back I thought it was too Scottish I thought you know these sort of really important literary judges you know David Mitchell wrote Cloud Atlas for crying out loud you know I was thinking you know how would I impress them if I was writing a story I would have written something very English very literary and you know just tried to be somebody that I wasn't and so I think it's important to be true to where you come from and be true to the stories that you already have rather than you know trying to be liked you know that's, that's not everyone's gonna yeah. like your work no that's <laughs> great that's that's no I totally agree with that I always try and write what I know as well I just think you should what's the point in writing something that you don't like doesn't mean anything to you like I think that part for me the whole reason of writing something is because you have something to say and you have some a story to tell about your own experiences and where you're from and stuff but I also sort of wanted to ask how do you feel about Scotland as a sort of place for writers at the moment do you think there's a lot of a, a great writers coming out of Scotland is there anyone in particular that you're influenced by so obviously Douglas Stewart winning the bookers a big tick in the Scotland box because he 
won last year and I think that's great because I think he's the second Scot to ever win it and you know we've got Ali Smith I mean these are the kind of stratospheric folk that are, are doing amazingly well but there's also loads of other up-and-coming writers you know I keep an eye on Extra Teeth magazine and Gutter magazine I've got really great writers coming up through them and I love buying those issues and reading all these incredible stories from people you might not be fully aware of yet Kirsten Ennis oh she's brilliant I've just started reading Scabby Queen actually I literally started that the other day I really enjoyed it it's very good I haven't managed to read Scabby Queen yet but I loved Fishnet and I just think she's doing so well and is just such a great role model I guess for anyone who is aspiring to write so I think there's loads of talent out there but I wonder if there are the same opportunities I do genuinely believe that there's a lot more that I'm aware of coming out of Ireland, for example. And I wonder oh, yeah. if- Ireland is like rich of like there's so many amazing offers in Ireland. I know. Crazy, isn't like, it? And I'm like, we can tell stories too. So what's yeah. happening? So I don't know, like there's this amazing publishers called The Stinging Fly that are an Irish publisher. And I'm just obsessed with them right now. Mm. And I'm reading all their work and a lot of the people who have been shortlisted for the award before and a lot of people that my agent represents are great Irish. Irish storytellers and I'm like where are the Scots need need more of them platformed basically so yeah I don't know why that I don't know what the difference is because I think we've got a lot in common and we're all yeah. pretty much half Irish ourselves so I wonder why the, the the difference is there but yeah I'd love to see more Scottish writers platformed and championed in the same way 100 um, percent yeah, because we have a lot of Irish guests on, and I'm always saying this. I'm like, you have so much great, like, what you know, we yeah. can do it. Yeah, a lot of the books I've read this year have all been Irish, weirdly as well. Just, just fantastic storytellers. I know, just just some really amazing work. And the woman who won the short story award last year was Irish, and she writes for the Stinging Fly. And yeah, there's just loads of them. Just very talented bunch. They're amazing. I know. So, well, hopefully, as you say, Scotland can sort of have the same opportunity. We, we're definitely capable as a country. So, and, you know, may, maybe you'll be part of that as well. I'm sure you will. Like, you know. Fingers next, crossed. But <laughs> Just get a real job. I'll, I'll, start, <laughs> I'll start to wrap things up shortly because I know we've been speaking for nearly now. And I've, I've got so many questions I've not had a chance to ask you, but I'm, I'll just have to get you back on the podcast in the future and, you know, get in some point again. But I'll try and I'll try and pick the sort of more interesting ones to ask. Before I forget as well, actually, you wrote the short stories on a phone, actually. I should probably ask about that. Yeah, which I didn't think was weird. And then people were like, what? And then that was the line that I think ITV Border went with as well. They did a whole thing. Girl writes story on phone. <laughs> but yeah, that's just a, a time-saving thing. And I'm a phone addict anyway, so... We I all just, are. <laughs> yeah. So make the most of it, basically. If someone's moaning that you're on your phone, just tell them you're writing your novel. But yeah, I just would sit on the couch and do it. And I still do. It gives you a horrible cramp in your fingers. But I feel like that suits my lifestyle more than me sitting down and being like, okay, it's work time. We have four hours to do X amount of words. I just do it as and when I can on the bus or, you know, in between shifts. Now I'm trying to initiate a, a firmer routine where I sit down and I'm like, I am a writer. But yeah, before that, it was all done in, in drips and drabs on my phone. Yeah. Well, this this is a sort of fun question, which I've started asking everyone. So I'm going to give you three categories and I just I basically okay. need you to pick one. So you can have a sweaty dance floor, a drunken karaoke night or a hungover Sunday. Okay, it has to be a sweaty dance floor because I don't okay. drink. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't, I've had a slightly, fell off the wagon slightly recently and had a couple of drinks celebrating the shortlist. But aside from that, I haven't had a drink yeah. in like two years. So I'm going to go sweaty dance floor okay. for that one. Well, what, what are you dancing to is the, is the sort of next part of that question. I'm trying to think the last time I was on a sweaty dance floor. I mean, it's floor. been a while. This is the sort of point of this question. It should make us all nostalgic for like the life we're missing. You know what I mean? So I have tickets to sink the pink in november which is the most fun they're like a troop of drag queens <laughs> and it's the best glitteriest most fun night out you can have and their shows in london are just so unbelievable last time i went to see them mel c was performing and it was just the biggest gayest night out and it was wonderful so i am really looking forward to being glittery and sweaty and hopefully 
able to be near other people when that comes around in November. Yeah. And another question we sort of ask everyone on the podcast is, do you have a, a favourite word or phrase from where you're from, like a Scottish word or phrase? My favourite thing from Castle Douglas is that after sentences, people normally go... <laughs> <laughs> I the sound. Love they'll, go, they'll go oh it's getting guy close hi and then they go it's like an agreement <laughs> like a little intake of breath and I didn't realize that it was just specific to us until I left and I was like oh hang on a second amazing I love yeah, that, that it's d- just a noise it's not even a phrase no it's great it's a great answer and of course like one of the most important question of the podcast which I think is a a listener favorite but sort of we we ask everyone but what's the worst part-time job or worst real job you'd ever had to work to sort of support yourself over the years I used to work in crepe croissant which was like a, a pancake restaurant I guess on Byers Road and yeah I, I don't even think I ever got pancake trained because I was so rubbish <laughs> <laughs> I'm making the rest of the food and I think I was getting paid like four pounds an hour or something wild so yeah that was probably that was a uni job that wasn't the best I'm sure there have been some other corkers that oh and also one time actually I said that I could transcribe because I was like how hard can it be I can type quickly and then when I turned up they had a pedal it turns out transcribers use a pedal to transcribe oh you have to God. tap it I know you have to tap it to play the recording so and I just stressful. looked at the pedal and thought I mean imposter syndrome again I literally was an imposter then so I had to in that one day just work out how to use the transcribing pedal and do my best so I still don't know to this day whether that was it was properly transcribed (laughs) (laughs) probably missed quite big chunks of this academic text but so that's another one that's that's great though that's a very good answer well Rachel this has been an absolute I've, I've loved this conversation it's been so good to have you on and you'd sort of given advice throughout this episode but we sort of get our guests for the sort of last question to sort of just summarize just what their advice be to anyone who maybe wants to work in the creative industries maybe more specifically as a writer as that's kind of what you're doing now but yeah this has been great though so I really appreciate your time no yeah I would just tell people to don't be put off by rejection which is very easy for me to say because I don't I don't handle it particularly well myself but you know call it only was highly commended in the first competition and it's gone further in the next one so just because one story doesn't do well one place doesn't mean it won't do better elsewhere so don't feel defeated would be my my leaving advice that's very and good read a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely well, on, well Rachel best of luck with the with the shortlist I'm I'm really rooting for you I hope and if Thank even if you know I'm fingers crossed and also like well done on like the book deal stuff as well and like the age it's all great I'm really happy for you and yeah hopefully speak again in the future thank you very yeah. much for your time So there you go. That was my conversation with Rachel. I'd like to wish her all the best with the shortlist. I really, really hope she gets it. And I very much appreciate her giving us her time as always. So thanks for listening. And if you want to go and read Rachel's short story, there's a link in the show notes. There's also links to some of her other websites and things as well. So if you want to find out a bit more about Rachel, you can do so by clicking the links underneath the podcast. I believe they're called show notes and I've totally fluffed that, but we'll keep that in. But anyway, as always, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, there are things you can do as well if you're enjoying the podcast. You can share us on social media. You can rate and review the podcast. Not just for our podcast. If you like any independent podcast, it's so important to share them and rate them because it's a podcasting is becoming a very saturated market and there's a lot of big money going into podcasting. So it's really hard for us independent podcasters to be heard sometimes and break through. So anything you can do to help goes so, so far. Another thing you can do as well, if you can afford to, you can support our Patreon page. We don't have a lot of money, so we actually spend our own money on this podcast sometimes. So I'm very grateful to the money we do get. But if you can afford to support our Patreon page, you can do so by going to Patreon slash Just Get A Real Job. Or there is also a link in the show notes to that. But anyway, we'll be back in a few weeks' time. I can't wait to share with you more brilliant conversations with more talented people because I love doing this. I honestly cannot express enough how much joy this podcast brings me and Elliot. So wherever you are in the world, I'm sending love. And until next time, God bless and goodbye. God, I sound like such a wanker sometimes. Nah, just keep that in. Just get a real job.